And so as we come and gather today, we are here talking about discipling the next generation. And my wife is present with me today, and uh, we are uh, the proud parents of three almost grown and flown uh, uh, children. Uh, we have one that is in college uh, uh, that's a sophomore. We have one that is finishing up his sen uh, senior year in school with a beautiful bride. And we have uh, one that actually is an educator at our school uh, with us. And so we are on that uh, side of the parenting piece. Although how many, and you can say this, uh, how many of us know parenting really never stops, Right? All right, and, and then uh, so I have this wonderful, wonderful uh, gift of being able to be a parent. Not easy work, but it's a blessed work. And I figure as I, I was asked to uh, preach by all admission, I'm like, okay, well, when you're preaching uh, on parenting, there's a lot of ways that that can go. And when you're preaching on imparting wisdom, there's a lot of ways that that can go. And I thought that I would at least begin telling you one of the stories of uh, my parenting. And it began, it was actually about 20 years ago. Uh, I had a beautiful baby girl uh, sleeping in a crib. And uh, we had a five-year-old and a three-year-old that we needed to scoot off to another thing. Uh, and then we had a church event uh, on a Wednesday night. Uh, I was the youth pastor getting uh, preparing to teach. And so Right before uh, my wife had to leave a bit early uh, to get to church, she said, shared with me, you know, don't forget Holly. She's in the crib. I got the boys. And I'm like, thumbs up. I, I got it. All right. It jumped in the car. Uh, and after I had studied, ready to roll, jumped in the car, drove, picked up uh, somebody, uh, picked up one of the kids that was in our youth group drove the 15, 20 minutes uh, to get there. Uh, and then as we're pulling in the parking lot, uh, the uh, girl that was uh, we had picked up, she looked at me and she's like, hey, uh, uh, Brother D, where is, where's Hallie? Right where I had left her. All right, now. Uh, so he's like, why are you saying that? Well, first of all, I'm not obviously an expert based on that story. I also, to any of the dads uh, that have already been yelled at by their uh, spouses for doing the same thing, I'm not gonna ask you for an amen or a hand raise if you did it, but I know that there's many of you in here that have. All right? All of that to say that even in the best of intentions, I love my daughter. My boys tease me that I love her more than I love them. But even in the best of intentions, parenting is hard. And, and it is an effort and it is an endeavor. And so I'm not an expert today, but here's what I love about being a follower of Jesus Christ. He gives me his word. And his word is not just something that is afar off. His word has instructions and guidance for me as a dad as a person that's striving to get it right as I live for him, he gives me examples on how that I should be parenting my kids, not only when they're little, but also as they are growing up. And so we can lean heavily into his word that very much, as Psalm 119 declares, is a lamp unto our feet 
and a light into our path. He can direct our steps this morning. And so, I, and I'll also say this, while a very imperfect father, uh, and, and that could be uh, share many stories of blunders along the way, I will say that in the day and age that we live, as you get a little bit older, you start at clarifying in your minds, like what is important to you? It, it, even to say it like, what is, what is a hill that I would die on? Well, the first one is by the grace of God, I, I, I would die on the hill that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the gift of salvation to us. And I want every world, I, I, everyone, I want the world to know that the answer is not found in anything else. It's found in him. And then as we move forward in that, the other thing that I would be, uh, the hill that I'm willing to die on is the family. In a day and age when the family is being attacked or the family is being deemed as irrelevant, I want every mom and dad here to know you matter and you matter significantly to the kingdom. And it it is something that we, I am thrilled as Church of the Open Door is doing this series because it is showing even just by the title alone that our job as parents matters. And it's something that should be lifted up and protected above all things. So as we jump in, you have been studying in Luke chapter 2, 40, 52 is kind of the, uh, the catalyst for where we're going. And as we read uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 40 and then uh, 52, we can see a theme that comes out pretty quickly as talking about Jesus and how he was parented and how he grew. And it says in verse 40, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. And then in verse 52, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And in both of those verses, you see what, God willing, we're going to be preaching about this morning, which is parenting to wisdom. How do you parent to an end or to an outcome and the outcome being wisdom? And and so I think we'll start, even before we go anywhere else, by just looking about what is wisdom? You know, what is wisdom? And because it's not like at your coffee shop, you're going to hear people talking about wisdom. Wisdom is kind of this church term we hear a lot. And we can get really used to it, but do we really truly understand what it means? And uh, this definition, there's many, but this definition comes from the Dictionary of Biblical Theology. Uh, I know that that's right on everybody's shelf this morning. Uh, But uh, this is the definition. It says, uh, wisdom is defined as the capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct. The capacity to judge rightly in matters of life and conduct. Right? I want my kids to have that. And then it says the ability to cope with life. That's something that I want my kids to have. And then it, it says, uh, uh, the last one, the legacy of parents to their children. Like, wow, the legacy of parents to their children. Wisdom is so important, not only aside from that definition, wisdom is so important that God commissioned and authored a book about it, Proverbs. And Proverbs, as you study through it, it's written to, uh, from a, a king to a son. 
And so wisdom is something that we want our kids to have. I mean, that if that alone was just the message, that's easy. Everybody says amen. We get an early start to uh, the rest of our Sunday. The question is, how do we get them there? How do we move them to wisdom? And by the help of the Lord, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 25, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, uh, and also what uh, many call the parenting mandate, the, uh, what is the responsibility of a parent. And so, uh, and we're going to read that together in just a moment, the entire chapter. But uh, even before we read, and so you could be finding your place uh, with it, uh, but here's how we're going Going, uh, what scripture speaks from Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 25, uh, related to how do we get a child to wisdom? So the four steps we're going to go through is, it, A, it begins with truth. Two, it continues with personal ownership. Three, we recognize the significance of the responsibility. And four, it culminates with conversations. We, conversations that pass forward and press along the truth. But nothing that I write could ever be as more important as God's word and how he speaks into our lives. So if you would go with me to the, New Te- uh, the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six, we're gonna read the entire chapter this morning. And I would encourage you, if you're able, uh, to stand with me for the reading of and reverence of God's word. And if you're not I completely unable, uh, I completely understand that. But let's read Deuteronomy chapter six uh, together. It says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your people and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. 
You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give you to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Dear God, be glorified through the preaching and reading of your word. Amen. You can have a seat. So I think even before we get started on imparting to wisdom, there's a really important question that I just want to ask and answer even before we begin. And that is, can we use the Old Testament to talk about how we are, as his chosen people, how we should parent? And the answer is a resounding yes for a couple of reasons. The first reason is many of the things that I'm going to be speaking and preaching about in Deuteronomy 6 are referenced in the New Testament. And then the second piece is that this is something that God had commissioned Moses to speak to the children of Israel on about how that they, as his chosen people, should represent him uh, in society once they were inheriting the promised land. For us, we can see parallels as well. How would God have us to live as parents uh, in a land that he has given to us? How should we represent him as ambassadors in his kingdom as God's chosen people? So we're going to look at these four things and we're going to start with if we are really serious about imparting wisdom to our children, if we are really serious about having them discern right and wrong, if we're wanting them to see what is real and what will be sustaining for their life, I think it's very important that we begin with truth. Now, The reality is, and I'll start, is that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And when you get into absolute truth in a world that believes in truth being relative, that is going to be a very unhealthy, unpopular construct. But you cannot read Deuteronomy 6. You cannot read the whole of Scripture and come up with any other conclusion that if we are going to impart wisdom to our children. It has to begin with a standard, a standard that is uncompromised, a standard that has lasted for thousands of years. It is the standard of the Lord being one, the standard that we come to him through his son, and it's the standard of his words declare the commandments and statutes that he expects us to follow. 
And so regardless of what we feel is related to the cultural temperature of the day, which is a new thing perhaps for us, but not a new thing for Christ followers throughout generations, we need to begin as a body of believers that if we are really going to impart wisdom to our sons and daughters, it has to begin with we believe that there is absolute truth that God's word is true and strong and steadfast, and it alone has the answers for life, right? So we have to, uh, we have to hold that truth humbly. We have to tr- hold that truth graciously, but the, uh, uh, God's word is not something that has the same weight or measure as something else in society. He alone is Lord. And it's very true that in today's day and age that many people will perhaps want a savior. They'll want to be redeemed. They'll want their problems resolved. But God is not only savior, he also is Lord and we cannot splinter the two. So it begins with uh, absolute truth and it's regardless of popular opinion. One of the things I love about the authenticity of Scripture, and you even see it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, is you see that when behavior went sideways, Scripture talks about how the behavior was in mass and they tested the Lord. There has always been this challenge, even amongst God's people, if we are not careful to replace the Lord off the throne. Sometimes on the outside, uh, it's a very intentional, affronted thing, uh, but sometimes on the inside of God's chosen people, it can be very subtle. And we have to make sure that regardless of popular opinion, regardless of what people are sharing, that we hold true to the single truth, which is God's word and what God has spoken to us. And then we need to recognize that the truth is that the answers and solutions for life, the development of who we are, doesn't come from inside of us. It comes from outside of us. If I'm trying to impart wisdom to my child, if I'm trying to raise them uh, to be wise, to have the keys to be able to discern how to navigate life uh, and, and the challenges, I need to first and foremost tell them that they are finite people and they don't have the answers and solutions for life. There are going to be challenges and waves and storms that will seek to make shipwreck of uh, of their careers, shipwreck of other things, and even more importantly, shipwreck of their souls. And so we need to point them that you will never find the answer in self-discovery. Certainly we can grow and we can learn about ourselves, and certainly we uh, should see how God has fearfully and wonderfully made us and the gifts that he has entrusted to us uh, to share and to live for. But the moment that we think that our answers to life will come from within us, the moment that we put ourselves on the throne room of our own hearts is the moment that we are actually not teaching towards wisdom, but we are moving kids uh, away from wisdom towards destruction. You see it actually in Deuteronomy 6. 
that the moment that they start going and chasing after other gods, when we say that the answer is in self-discovery, we are making our son or daughter, we are making ourself the God of our lives. And we have to be careful that we always make sure that the throne only belongs to the Lord. And so it, it, our help, and this is the beautiful thing, our help comes from outside of us. I know that I'm a mess. I know that I don't have the capability to navigate life on my own. I know that I am insufficient, but thank God for the King of Kings that has invited me into a relationship with him that though I have sinned, he has pardon and forgiveness of sin through his son, Jesus Christ. Our help comes from outside of us. And Deuteronomy 6 That was what the thrust is. Know that the Lord is the one that will help you and give you the things that you haven't even worked for. And then the last one uh, is perspectives. It just as a general reminder. In order to keep the throne established as the Lord's, we have to honor the fact that there will be different perspectives of life. But what we should be cautious as Christian parents, what we should be cautious as a church family is whenever our perspectives or our opinions rise to the same level as God's word and God's truth, we're actually heading for disaster. Perspectives should not overtake providence, God's divine care for our soul. And one of the filtering agents that we should do always as a believer and even uh, as, as a parent, as you are navigating what to do, is you always run things through the filter of God's providence. What are the things that I need to be doing that show care, that I recognize God's care for my soul? So it begins with truth. And then when you move on into verses five and six of Deuteronomy, you see that it's not enough just to have truth. It continues with ownership. Did you notice that he didn't just declare the truth of he's on the throne? He didn't just declare that he is sovereign. He didn't just declare that he is omnipotent, which he is all of those things. The command and thrust that he gave to the children of Israel and that he gives to us in Matthew chapter 22 and other places is that we are to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The amount of times in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 6 that he uses you, your, all right? And he says, love the Lord with your heart with your mind and uh, with your soul. And and let me just say this, and I say this encouraging and challenging at the same time. Church, it says something to you, uh, about you, those that have come to church today, that you've come to be here. You've shown to recognize how important it is. It shows a belief system that when you could be doing anything else on a Sunday morning, you have made the time to come. And that should never be overlooked. And it should never, you you have chosen to be here. 
But we also need to be careful that we don't turn church into, well, we do church or we do the things in ministry or we do the things that are offered because this will just help my son or daughter be a good moral person. That, or this will just, uh, you know, I want my family constructed where we value authority or we value uh, uh, people. And so we come to church for that. Church is more than that. It's not meant to be this morality blanket that just helps us flourish as a society. There's actually a lot of things and structures. A church and active ministry is more than that because it's a place where we uh, come to recognize that we have to own that truth. So it's not just about God is the Lord. It's like God is my God. And he doesn't need me But thank God I get to bow at the throne. And so we own the wisdom first. And so mom or dad, if I could just encourage you and nudge you a a little bit. If church has become this place where I just have my kids engaged and actively doing those things because it's good for them and good, I, I wanna teach them good morality, you're never going to be able to impart wisdom the way the Lord would want you to impart wisdom unless you take it in yourself, unless it becomes engrafted in you. And, and so we have to own wisdom and then we have to protect it. The devices out there are real to try and get us off of God's word and God's truth and what God's message is for us. They are real and evermore. There's a reason why Matthew 13 showcases the parable of the wheat and the, uh, wheat and the weeds. And, that, and one of the conclusions is uh, after the wheat and the weeds start rising up together and uh, the uh, people that were working on the farm starts looking like, look, there's wheat and weeds. We only planted wheat. The uh, owner of the, uh, the land said, hey, an enemy has done this. We would be unwise to think that there aren't forces uh, wrestling against Christian parents and Christian families and church to try and get us off of God's wisdom. But we have to make sure that as his people, we protect it. Note how many times in Deuteronomy 6 you will hear something along the lines of saying, uh, take care, be diligent. If we are truly going to pass along the mantle of God's truth to the next generation, we have to make sure we are protecting wisdom. And then the uh, third piece of uh, uh, owning this is that it's strength. we strive for a whole life application, not just moments. If my three kids were here this morning, what they would tell you is a lot of time of incongruence. A lot of moments where dad was dad messed up, that dad had to repent, that dad had to ask his kids for forgiveness. Hopefully and prayerfully, they would also be able to see what the overall arch of dad's life was, is that dad loved Jesus and wanted them to do the same. We have to own it if we really want to impart it. So it begins with truth. It continues with ownership. And then after that, it is this weight, and it is weighty. 
of recognizing the responsibility. As you look through 7 through 15, it talks about how that we impart that wisdom. It talks about what are the things that we do. And and imparting wisdom is a faithful and continual effort. It's something that we have to take very seriously continually. This whole life application, we're using every moment of our short time with our kids to teach them the truth. And you may say, well, you know, narrow that down a little bit for me. Well, the Lord did in Deuteronomy chapter 6, also in Matthew 22, and I'll share as well, is that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the narrow. That's where, and so if I was to say, what is a primary aim as a Christian parent? What is an aim that is above all other aims? It is, does your kid love Jesus? And so are we recognizing our duty and responsibility to be a faithful proclaimer of that truth? Are we seizing the opportunities of that? Now, here's could be some of the kickback, and I get it. I, I, it's, it could be, hey, Denver, but my kid's got to learn how to read. My kid has to learn how to write. My kid has to learn how to do math. My kid has, is a really good athlete. That could advance them. And all of those things are true, and that's actually something that we should take seriously. There are secondary aims that are important for us as a Christian family. I ought to be able to be sensitive on what my kids have been gifted at and talented at, and I, want, and I want them, and then what they need to be functional in society. And I ought to chase after giving them opportunities to, to do that and to learn of that. Those are real things. But they are secondary aims compared to the primary aim. The primary aim is do they know Christ? The wisest of souls are the ones that recognize that they need Jesus. And then they and then all of that together here's our ultimate aim as a parent. Our ultimate aim as a parent is that the, our son and daughter would know Jesus, that they would have uh, skills that have been refined through uh, experiences that we nurtured along as parents towards the end that when they are adults they will be glorifying the Lord as salt and light to a world that so needs him. And so the primary responsibility for all that, so imparting wisdom, it is a faithful and continual effort. We don't take a break from that. We're always laying at the feet of Jesus. How can, what should we do, Jesus, to impart the wisdom that they need you and that the purpose or living will be found in a relationship and walk with you. And I I just share this, the primary responsibility for that always resides with the parent. Now, I'm I'm blessed to be the president of a a Christian school, and uh, sometimes people will uh, try and get, well, what educational system is best? What, what, What should I choose? And here is what I'm going to say to you. Uh, the primary responsibility of the ultimate aim of uh, of striving to promote Jesus Christ and a life with him is yours 
and it's always yours. And nothing else, no other educational system will take that place. And that it really feeds into uh, for that those things are supplements, those things are ads. All that I would ask is you're choosing however, and, and notice in Deuteronomy chapter six, it says, teach them to children. So talking about education and education always, regardless of the system, will have an outcome. That's what education is. You're teaching to something. And so as you're prayerfully thinking about education and what that looks like, always recognize the primary aim. To try and uh, and if something is a little softer than others in it, know that you, as the primary educator, are going to have to build that up and complement it uh, to uh, to the degree that you never ever lose sight, and your son or daughter never ever lose sight of what is most important uh, to mom and dad, which is their walk with Christ, and so. The primary responsibility always resides with the parent. And I'll share this as well. Use supports. Why do I love the local church? I love the local church because as I was going through uh, this morning, I was seeing people getting signed up to go to children's ministry. I heard a little bit about youth ministry. I was seeing something about uh, the spring kickoff for life groups, which it made me optimistic that when it said spring, I'm just happy that somebody's talking about that kind of weather. Uh, it's like, but all of these different things are things that parents need in this challenge of parenting well. And if I could be so bold as to, uh, and also a testimony, I am so thankful for the life group and the, uh, the uh, Sunday school classes and uh, the adult education stuff that I was able to participate and learn and grow because it made me, it helped me in trying to raise Christian uh, kids and kids that ultimately would love Jesus. And there was nothing like being able to pick up the phone when I was, my uh, uh, parenting wasn't at the great, greatest, or I was having, something was going sideways with my kids, and I was able to lean into the youth, uh, uh, the small group, or a brother or a sister in Christ, and say, will you pray for us? It's the beauty of the local church. And I would just encourage you, jump into that. Jump into that and, and make it a whole life application, and then if you happen to be someone here, this uh, you have, you have already parented. You have already did that. Know that here's the other beauty of the local church. You have something to do because there are parents that are going to be leaning to you on how to minister and uh, and raise their kids. So use the supports, but just always remember those supports are supplements. They're not supplants. And then as we move to some of the more practical pieces, perhaps the greatest thing that we can ever do as a Christian family is cultivate an environment where questions are always welcome. I love verse 20 <coughs> through 25. And in verse 20 through 25, it, it tells of a question that some, uh, the son asked. He had, act, he had obviously been taking an investigation about what was going on. 
Why are we doing this? Why, why is that? And so you, you're always talking about this. And there's honestly two ways that somebody could interpret this question. The one could be that the uh, person was asking a genuine question. You know, what's with all this stuff, Dad, that promotes the Lord? Why do we do that? And then the other way that uh, it could be presented is what's with all this stuff? Like, give me a break. And if you've parented, chances are you're going to run into both of those questions at some point. But here's the real. Welcome them both. Welcome them both because when you welcome them both, you get an opportunity to give an answer. It's more to me than my uh, kids knowing that mom and dad faithfully served the Lord. I want that. I, 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 I want that so desperately for them to, to leave a testimony to them. All right? But even more so, I want them to grab a testimony for themselves. And so we learn by asking questions. And so if they are asking questions, welcome that. Invite them into the process. And if I could I, I also say this about an environment, Make sure they see you worshiping and serving. And, and when you can, have them do it with you. This morning when I was uh, coming in for prayer, I came in for prayer and the joy of my day was I had a father that had a little guy on his knee. All right, uh, And they were praying for the service. They were praying for you. And I was reminded once again that I am under no illusion that that little guy is going to remember anything that I said today. But that little guy will not forget being on the knee of his dad as his dad prayed and petitioned for the Lord to bless the service. And so we need to create the environment and make them a part of it. And then when they ask the question, be ready to answer. Be ready to answer and tell the meta-narrative story. That's, what, the, uh, that's what, uh, what happened in Deuteronomy 6. He started off with this, uh, we were slaves in Egypt. Can we relate a little bit to that? We were in the bonds of our sin. Right? And then, uh, and so, and then uh, we, uh, God brought us out. Can we relate a little bit of that? Jesus Christ, uh, God sent his son Jesus to die the penalty of our sin for us. We can tell the big story, be ready to answer, but then this is what also I want you to do because this will have the impact and you see it so real in Deuteronomy chapter six. Connect it with your testimony. I'm thankful that people can tell the message of salvation. I'm even more thankful that it happened to me. How that when I was 20 years old, the Lord spoke into my heart and changed my life forever. And you have a story, those that have been redeemed about that. Let's make sure that our kids know that story. Let them see that this is real to mom. This is real to dad and create the environment to make it so. Now, here's what I would share Every journey has a beginning and 
One of the things that the adversary will do in messages like this is he'll, uh, he'll cause you to have a track record of what you wish you would have done or how that you wish you could have handled it better. I want to just hit the pause button. The Lord has granted us opportunity today. And if he is calling and ministering to your heart, magnify him in your heart today. Commit today. We're getting ready to take communion. And as we take communion, maybe there have been times even over the course of the month, I know in my life it's been true, where the Lord has not been as exalted on the throne as what he should be. And we use communion to remind us, no, there is one truth and there is one way. And Lord, I want to parent my uh, sons and daughter that, uh, with that. And I want the primary aim of them knowing. And when I've slipped, Lord, allow this time of remembrance of your sacrifice for me to resonate in my heart with a, a commitment that I will move forward as a servant of you. Like, use that. And then as a body of believers, let's make sure Let's make sure that we magnify his name. Parenting ultimately aligns with the purpose of who we are and what we're supposed to do. And the purpose of who we are and what we're supposed to do as Christ followers is to glorify the Lord in all things. May that be so as we impart wisdom to our sons and daughters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for uh, your spirit. I'm so thankful for the gift of salvation. None of us earned it. None of us deserved it, but you have given it to us. And dear God, as we reflect on communion, as we reflect on our responsibility as parents, as we reflect on all of those things, Lord, we pray a, a, a prayer of gratitude that we do not have to do this alone, but you have equipped and empowered us through the gift of your spirit. And we ask today that we would continually lean heavily into that, to the end that you would be glorified, to the end that we would encourage one another, and to the end that someone that doesn't know or have a relationship with you would have one. We ask it all in your blessed name. Amen.